Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bibles, we are in the book of Exodus today, along with some other scripture that we're going to be jumping into. And as you saw on that video, that we are talking about identity theft. Now, last uh, yesterday, I should say, was an amazing time with the men and the ladies, and, and it was a powerful day, and, and I know God was doing some incredible things. And, and I, I told a story to the guys about a time that I had something stolen from me. How many have ever had something stolen, like a possession stolen from you, you know, some, something taken from you? And it's just, a, it, it, you feel so violated, but, but you kind of feel angry too. It's like, how dare somebody take something that belongs to me? Now, I've had a few items stolen in my life. Of course, I was born and raised in Bakersfield, so, you know... You know, that just happens. You know, this is a rough city. Um, and you're like, and you want us to go to the marriage conference there? <laughs> it is a great city. I mean, they have DeWars. Come on, Molinas and Arab Barons. We have DeWars in Bakersfield. So what's up with that? You guys don't have DeWars. Um, so with that in mind, you know, I always go back to this story when I was a freshman at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and before I went to college, my dad gifted me a mountain bike, first mountain bike I ever owned. It was a Huffy mountain bike. How many remember the brand Huffy? Now, it wasn't the brand that you like showed off to all your friends, but this was a bike from my dad, and so I was really grateful for the bike and proud that my dad you know, invested and bought a bike for me, and a couple months into the school year, somebody stole the bike and it was parked outside of my dorm. I go out to ride my bike to class and the chain is broken and I, and I had this dumb look on my face just like, you know, maybe I have amnesia. Did I park my bike here? Did I lock it up? And there was the broken chain so I know somebody stole my bike. Well, I was bummed. I was angry. All the emotions that you go through when something is stolen from you and then a, a couple weeks later, ironically, I'm coming back to my dorm with my roommate, with a couple buddies, and we show up, and my bike is parked in the bike rack right almost exactly where it was stolen from, but with a new chain on it. I'm like, what? Like, it's one thing to steal from you, but now they're like, they're putting it in my face. They're like gloating like, ha, ha, ha. So we went on a mission because we were on the third floor. The other guys were on the first floor. So we went door to door, first floor, knocking on doors. We we're going to find out who had this bike. And I knew it was my bike because there wasn't many Huffy bikes, right? And so I not, and we found a, a guy that snitched on his buddy. And so we pulled him out. And then me and my friends and him and his friends. And it was like the Old West. Oh, Haley. That's next level right there. It was like that. We have fun in church. Come on. This is fun. And so, so I didn't know what was going to go down because everything in me wanted to punch him in the throat. 
I just wanted to knock him out, and, I, and we were having this moment. And then he just said, he goes, I'm sorry, bro. I just, you know, I don't know. I just took it. But, you know, you can have it back. I go, darn right I have it back. It's my bike. <laughs> Taking my bike back. But, but it's one thing to have a bicycle stolen from you. It's another thing to have your identity stolen from you. And I'm not talking about your physical identity, your credit cards being compromised. I'm talking about your soul who you are as a person, especially who you are in Christ. And if I sound a little bit angry today, it's because I am. I know too many people that have made decisions to follow Christ and then have a relationship with God that are living in this identity crisis. That their identity is so distorted because the enemy, the spiritual enemy of our lives have, has come in and has taken what is rightfully yours and replaced it with lies. And you can't get to your destiny until you start walking in your God-given identity. Do you know that? And so no wonder why it's his plan to distort your identity of who you are in Christ because without that identity, you can't move forward into your destiny. So we have to circle this idea and this series and really recapture and reclaim and restore the identity that we rightfully have in God. Come on, somebody. This is what we're going to do in this series. Now, I, I'm going to kind of unpack probably over the, la- the next couple of weeks several kind of like the most frequently told lies that, that really help distort the identity that we rightfully have. And I, I want to give you probably what I feel is the most frequent lie that believers in Jesus, that followers of Jesus tend to struggle with. And this is this thought, and many of you will relate to this. It's the thought of you're not enough. You're not enough. And, and I put a blank in there because there's so many things we can feel this towards. This, this lie, this you're not enough. We can feel this lie of you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not brave enough. You're not qualified enough. You're not talented enough. And you're not pretty enough. And, and the list can go on and on and on. But the bottom line is, so many people struggle in this space of hearing this lie so loud that you're not enough. And and do you see how that can just really distort the identity that you rightfully have as a follower of Jesus? Do you see how that can just mess up how you see yourself in Christ and and trip you up and keep you from moving your life in the direction of, of how God wants to move for you and move through you so that you can do what he's called you to do? There is an enemy in your life, and spiritual warfare is real. I told you last week, it is the most undertaught subject in the modern church, but in my opinion, it's the most important subject that we need to learn about. Because warfare is happening in all of y'all's life. How do I know that? Because I'm not just a pastor, I'm a dude. I'm a guy. I have a family. So all of this stuff that you guys are feeling, I feel it too. So it's time that we talk about it. So before I even really kind of jump in there, I, I want to talk about the triggers. I want to talk about the triggers that really kind of amplify this thought bubble, this, 
this voice, this deceptive voice that kind of comes in all of our lives. And, and it's normal to have this because of our brokenness in our relationship with God and because of sin. It's natural to feel this way, but there are certain things that come into our life that tend to trigger an amplification of this feeling. And one of the biggest triggers that I see happening is the feeling of being overly stressed or, or just flat out overwhelmed. When you get into this place where there's just more to get done than you're actually able to do, this feeling, this thought process, this lie just grips you and paralyzes you and just completely undoes you. And that is, you're not enough. You can't accomplish all this stuff. I tell you, this is like confessions of a pastor. All right. Uh, this pandemic has been weird. I mean, it's been weird for all of us, but as a pastor, not just like mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, you know, it's not about that, even though that, that's a little bit of it. But in, in March of last year, when we were told that we can't meet in person, we didn't even own a camera. And I had all of this technology that I had to figure out that I didn't know anything about, and, and I got overwhelmed by that. But in the, at the same time that we're trying to kind of get all of that figured out, then it's like all you guys just scattered. Imagine like it's just like we're all on a football field and a whistle blows and 300 people just go and just go in different directions. And then I, I hear this voice going, you got to follow up with every single one of them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was like, it was so fun to be able to meet most of you during a Sunday where I'm like, hey, how are you doing? All right. With like a little, little check-in when I see you and maybe a, a minute prayer. But all of a sudden, all of you guys are gone. And I'm preaching to this dumb camera. It's not the same. So I had this super weird, overwhelming feeling that I'm not enough. Not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure out all this technology. I, 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 I'm not loving enough to follow up on everybody that is missing in action, and, and I'm not enough. Here's the second trigger, and, and this for some of you, this may be the biggest trigger of them all for you, and that is the comparison culture that we are all living in. All of us are in the space, whether you have social media or not. But social media tends to turn the amplifier up to 11. Remember Spinal Tap? I'll go to 11, you know? <laughs> 80s reference, all right? So one of the funniest movies ever made. So, so you, you have this idea. I know the ones that have watched Spinal Tap, all right? You have this idea that, that social media, think about, it, it's like showing everybody's best. I, I call it, Everybody's highlight reel. So what we do as we scroll, as we, as we do this thing that we do, we're comparing everybody's highlight reel to what's really going on in our life. I call it our low life moment. So, so we have our highlight reel of other people compared to our low life moments personally. Do you see how that can create angst in itself? You know, I find this so interesting that the Gen Z generation, those that are like 
the you know younger like like the 25 year olds and younger they're turning off social media by the droves uh, boomers and gen xers we're like just ramping up social media and the the young adults are saying no no thank you why cuz i think they're a little bit more in tune with the danger zone of this comparison culture and what it does because as you're scrolling other people's highlight reel you can audibly hear this voice in your head saying you're not enough you're not pretty enough. You don't do enough with your family. You're not uh, a good enough spouse. You're not a good enough dad. You're not a good enough mom. You're not a good enough friend. And the list goes on and on and on. They're, they're triggers to amplify it. But here's the, the crazy thing is some of us, we don't even know how this is affecting our life. Like, obviously, it's... It's there, and for most of us, you're like, yep, like, it's like you're reading my mail right now, Pastor. We, we know it's there, but, but it manifests itself in really ugly ways. And some of us haven't even paid attention to how it's like impacting our lives. Because it's one thing to have a, a thought bubble in your head. It's another thing when that thought bubble begins actually affecting your life and affecting your relationships. One of the biggest ways that this I'm not good enough thing manifests is it gives you like a fatalistic outlook on life. It just makes you feel like I don't even want to try. I, I, I don't, why bother? I call it the Eeyore syndrome. <laughs> oh boy. Why do I even put makeup on? I can't look like her. I don't say that, but... Um. <laughs> Oh boy, you know, why, why do we go, you know, even go anywhere on vacation? I can't go to, you know, Maui. Oh boy, it's like, you know, why doesn't my family look like this? Oh boy. And so it, and you get into this like Eeyore syndrome where you stop even wanting to try. You give up. And there's some of you that God has put a dream in your heart, but because of comparison culture, you have stopped pursuing the dream. Who gave you that dream? If that is a God-given dream, then despite you not being exactly like this other person, despite you not having maybe this kind of person's life, it doesn't matter. If God has given you the dream, he will get you to the destination, regardless of that. Can you receive that this morning, church? I mean, this is something we need, but, but it's, it's ugly. It, it gives us this ear center. But here's the second one, and, and this we got to be super careful because a lot of times we can see this in other people, but we don't see it in ourselves. People that tend to be ravaged by this inadequacy and this insecurity of who they are in Christ, that, that have this identity crisis going on, it tends to come out in criticism of other people. You start talking about somebody and, and somebody that really struggles heavily with inadequacy or insecurity, it doesn't take long for them to start tearing other people down and criticizing the way other people are, or who they are, or what they do. Because subconsciously, this is what's happening, is by tearing other people down, by criticizing them, we actually, in this weird kind of like tainted way, in this ugly way, we're elevating ourselves so, so that we don't feel that less than feeling. And, and it, it's just ugly. 
And, and some of you, 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 you've seen this in other people. You're in a conversation with them for five minutes. In that five-minute conversation, they've talked about this person and this person and this person and how this person not this and how this person not. It's it just like, stop. And the most loving thing you can do is help that. They may not even see it. Is that in my experience, the, the most insecure people become the most critical kind of people. And you may, the most loving thing you could do to your friend or your family members say, just stop. Like, just speak to them. Say, you're more than enough. Who cares what about that person? You don't, need, you don't need to tear them down to elevate yourself. You're already as elevated as you can be because Christ lives in you. So, so that's all that there is to it. But I, I want to speak into this inadequacy and insecurity because here's the, here's the bottom line. The Bible is so good that it tells us not just the people's strengths and their celebrations of their wins. It tells them their weaknesses, and it actually points out their flaws and their defeats. And I want to take you to Exodus chapter 3, because this guy Moses, who most of us celebrate in this room as one of the great heroes of faith, one of the, the, the giants of the Old Testament. Some people might say he is the goat of the Old Testament. I mean, he is Moses, man. He is the guy. There might be some debate. You might say it's Abraham. Some of you might say David. It's kind of like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I don't know. Who's the goat? I don't know. How many say Michael Jordan? How many say LeBron James? How many say Steph Curry? All right, all right. So... But, but Moses, let's, let's focus in on him. But because before he was splitting the Red Sea and leading the, the Israelites out of Egypt, he had an identity crisis going on. He was, he was having a difficult time believing that God could use such a man as him. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Have you ever felt like God gave you an assignment that was so big for you? You just said, God, who am I? Like, that's, let's, let's jump to chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. He's having this conversation with God. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> now, a lot of Bible scholars believe that there is a speech impediment issue going on with Moses and, and he wasn't a, a good communicator. It's interesting to me that, uh, you know, you, you study fears or phobias that, that the number one phobia, or at least it's been, maybe it's changed, but it used to be the fear of public speaking. I mean, think about that. The fear of public speaking, the, the top fear next to, second on the list is the fear of dying. So, so people would rather die than to speak in public. That's interesting. But Moses is like, choose somebody else. Like, there's got to be somebody better, more qualified than me. I can't even speak right. And God says, no, you're the man. You're the person that I want to do this. 
So, so he, was, he was fighting this view of himself versus this view that God had of him. And the view that God had of him was this giant, was this, this amazing, powerful man of God that could actually take the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt and move them into the promises of God. So God has this way of seeing ability in you that you can't even see in yourself. And then when you place yourself in Christ, one of the benefits is you begin seeing on a regular basis how God sees you. He begins declaring it to you throughout the scriptures as you're in the Bible every day. God is reminding you, this is who you are. Uh, Ignore those other voices in your head. This is the truth I declare to you. You need to understand when Jesus is in the wilderness, Jay talked about this yesterday in in our men's conference. When Jesus is in the wilderness, the enemy, the devil, our spiritual enemy showed up on Jesus' doorstep and started giving him these statements trying to come against his identity, trying trying to come against who he was. And every time that he did, Jesus came against the lie with the truth. The truth of God's word, the truth of scripture and what God has declared. So the way you come against this identity crisis, this you are not enough crisis, is to actually replace the lie with the truth. So what I want to do, just real quickly, in a few minutes we have together, I want to give you three life-giving truths of what God has declared over your life in Christ. Are you ready for them? Write this down. And, and, you know, God bless the indoors where we can see our screens again. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. But if you want to follow along on the Bible app, we have our notes there. You can follow along. Just go to the YouVersion Bible app and look under events, and you can find our notes. But here's the first note. Write this down. And that is you are called by Christ. You are called by Christ. And that, that may sound weird or funny to you that, that Christ has called you, but it's so important for you to understand that. Despite who you are, despite what you've done, despite where you've been, Christ has called you. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. In his kindness, God called you to his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. Let me show you the power of this. In 2017, I was leading a church in Las Vegas. Some of you know my story. So before we planted this church in Thousand Oaks, I was leading this church in Vegas. And on October 1st, 2017, there was a mass shooting where 58 people lost their lives. Over 500 people were wounded in this mass shooting. I I mean, the, the city was brought to its knees. Never would I've ever guessed seeing the same billboards that had, you know, naked people on it be replaced by pray for Las Vegas. It it was just a a, a surreal time. Well, friends of mine uh, are really close to the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, who's a Republican, and they're good friends of of him. Kevin knew that I was pastoring in Vegas, and he knew I was close to the Schweitzer family who tragically lost their 20-year-old daughter, Bailey, in the shooting. So I'm, in there, I'm there at the hotel with the Schweitzer family. My church is like being used as a refugee center for all the people that got locked out of the Mandalay Bay. It's just chaos. And, and in this space, I get a phone call. It said, no caller ID. 
And so I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, you don't tell me who you are. I'm not picking up this phone. Anybody else do that? I was like, no caller ID. I don't know who it is. Turns out Air Force One was calling my cell phone. I'm like, I'm not picking this phone call up. Now, regardless of how you view President Trump or how you view the Republican Party, it's a pretty big deal if Air Force One is calling you. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. And I said, decline. <laughs> I don't know who this is. Now, the good news is they persisted to, to get a hold of me, so I, I did make connection. But I just, I felt like such an idiot. Like, how could, it, like, how could I have turned away such an important call? You know, it's one thing to be called by Air Force One. It's another thing to be called by God who created the universe and he's ringing your life and he's saying, hello, somebody. I want to use you. I want to do great things with your life. Are you ready to answer the call? Are you ready to pick up the phone and listen to what God wants to say and what God wants to speak to you and how God wants to move through you? This is what it's all about. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He's called you. What, what has he called you to do? And it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Help me, church. You are what? You are, you are chosen by God. And, and, and he's called you to live a different kind of life, a life that is filled with the life of God. You guys have heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. God has not, he does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And even though you don't feel qualified enough, no problem, because God will qualify you because you've been called by him. That's so important to let that just sit there. Moses felt less than, but God made him more than enough. Number two, write this down. Not only are you called by Christ, you are capable through Christ. There, there are going to be moments in your life where you're facing tasks, you're facing things that you just are like, it, it's, I, I just don't have it in me. I, I cannot do what God has called me to do. And I will say, as you follow Jesus, more than likely that space is going to find its way into your life. Because when we are weak, when we are limited, he is strong and he is unlimited. And he loves to put us in positions where we have to rely on his strength, where we have to rely on his power, because we know that when God starts moving in his strength and his power, we get a life upgrade. Because too many of us are living on our own power. And maybe, just maybe, that's why some of this stuff is plugging you. You're not enough. But Christ is capable of giving you the power and the strength to get through whatever it is that is facing your life right now. Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
Now, this is more. I've, I've said this before, but this is more than a tattoo that you put on your arm or your, or your, or your chest as a fighter going, I can do everything through Christ. I can knock you out in Christ's strength. You know, that's not what it's really saying here. It's saying that no matter what I'm facing, I know I can get to the other side of it because it's not me that is pulling me through this space. It is actually Christ through me that is getting me through the space to the other side. That's what Paul is declaring in Philippians 4. Romans 8, 37, he says, we are more than conquerors through who? Through ourselves? No way, Jose. This is like, no, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I look at this, and I'm so encouraged by this, because that word more than conquerors in the Greek language is actually translated super conquerors, like, like mega conquerors. Like, we're, we're not regular conquerors. Like, like he, he is, like, like given us the Hulk-sized version of, like, our strength and abilities to move through whatever wall, whatever mountain, whatever obstacle is standing between you and the destiny that God has called you to. When you're moving in his strength, you can run through walls, you can cut through mountains, and you can climb over whatever is in your way because it's not you doing it, it's Christ through you. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves, but our competence comes through God. Can I, can I give you, this is for somebody. I wrote this down in my notes. I really feel this is a, a word for somebody, a prophetic word. It's, it's not by might nor by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord. Quit trying to get everything done in your power and your strength. There's something that you're facing. Only the power and strength of God is going to be able to bring you deliverance. Zechariah 4, verse 6. If you're, that could be a life verse for somebody here. I don't know, but I felt it strong, like I had to speak it out for somebody that's here. Number three, write this down, is not only are you capable through Christ, you are complete in Christ. You're complete in Christ. Here's what happens with this you're not enough issue and lie that so many people feel that the world tells us that if we're able to get all of these things accomplished in our life a lot of us call refer to them as our bucket list right like this is our bucket list so if I, if I check the boxes if if I do these things then there's going to be this like contentment that I'm going to feel but you have to be careful of that. I'm not saying that it's, it's not good to have goals in your life, but you have to be careful that you're putting your identity and accomplishing this thing because what I've discovered, what I've lived out in my own life and what many people around me have also lived out in their life is that completion is not found in anything but a relationship in God through Christ. Everything else is chaff blowing in the wind. And I hear this lie all the time. If I just finish my education, if I get my degree, if I get my master's, if I get my doctorate, if I get all these titles behind my name, I'm going to feel complete. If, you know, if I just marry that trophy wife, that trophy husband, and if I just find that right person, they're, they're going to complete me. If, if I just make a certain amount of money, my, my retirement account is like the X amount and, and you know, our, cost, our, our living costs are this amount. Like, man, I know we're going to arrive and we're going to feel complete. And all of that is a lie. Because here's, here's, the, here's the reality. That's good, Dave. I like that. I, like I always love my bro's energy, man. But here's the, here's the reality. 
A good friend of mine in Vegas, he became a follower of Jesus, went all in, God changed his life. But before he made a decision to follow Christ, he had all the boxes checked. He had the money. He had what he calls the hot wife or the hot girlfriend. He, he had the, you know, the fame and all, all, the, all the boxes were checked. And one night he was partying in Vegas like he often did. And he, had, he, was, he was in the penthouse suite of one of the hotel casinos there. And he went out in the balcony and he was ready to end his life. And, and it was a moment of reckoning for him in that, in that space where, where, where he realized that all of the stuff he had been chasing all of his life still never filled the hole that he felt in his soul. And that's when he reached out in a 911 call. They got a hold of me. I got it in his life. And I was able to pray with him. And he received Christ. And he became a follower of Christ. And God changed his life. He finally filled the hole in his soul. But it was only filled in Christ. That's the only way it was filled. Some of you, let me save you a lot of headache and heartache. Stop chasing after the boxes. Because you can check as many off as you want. But until you check the box that you follow Christ and receive his spirit, you are going to live in this, this perpetual discontentment that never goes away. It's only found in Christ. Let me give you a couple scriptures just to back up what I'm saying. By his divine power, 2 Peter 1.3, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For he is, he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form, and our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. Now, as, as we get ready to worship some more, I, I want to I speak into this because many of you are feeling as though you have Christ but you still kind of are, are wrestling around with this feeling of, of it's not enough. And I've discovered this, that even though Christ is in us, there needs to be an activity to really kind of keep us filled up because I've, I've discovered following Jesus for 30 years that, that we tend to leak out and, and we need to be continuously filled back up. And so you're going to feel like you're not enough if you're not reminding yourself daily, opening scripture, getting in scripture, letting scripture declare to you what God says about you through his truth. You're going to feel not enough when, when you're not living in the presence of God that is breathing into your soul like nothing else can do through the worship of saying how God is greater than the difficulty, how God is a miracle working God, how he's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness somebody. Like that, that is, that is what worship does. It brings us into this place of fullness that when we circle up in life groups, when, when we had table discussion yesterday in these groups, when we're circling up, when you have other brothers and ladies coming in your life saying, you know what? I want to speak it. I declare to you that God's best days are ahead of you, not behind you. When somebody comes in your life and says, God put you on my heart to encourage you today. I want to give you a scripture today. When you surround yourself with a circle, I call them battle buddies. But when you get in a life group, you're able to have this fullness and experience this fullness in God. We come together weekly. 
we inspire you on Sundays, but, but we want to walk with you during the weekdays, and life groups is where it's at, man. And you get into a circle, you get people in your life that can speak to you and remind you of who you are in Christ. You will stay full, and the more full you stay, the more complete you live. And the more complete you live, the less you buy the lie that you're not enough. Would you stand to your feet, church? Lauren Daigle did a song a few years ago called You Say. And I want us to sing this to sing it to our own souls, to declare God's truth, to come against the enemy's lies. So I want whatever the Lord is saying to you, I want it to marinate within you. Sing the song. If you don't want to sing it, just let the Holy Spirit be speaking inside of you and how he wants to lift you out of this place that you're not enough to a place where in Christ you are more than enough. Let's see. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough.
You'll have every failure, God. You'll have every victory. for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, We would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.